You're listening to Tech Talk Central. This is uh, Vicky Kolovu from the eHealth Forum, and we'll be interviewing Richard Bergstrom from Director General from the European Federation of Pharmaceutical Industries and Associations. Welcome. Thank you. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you're representing the Federation. What exactly does it mean? What's it, what it's all about? Yeah, so here in, in Greece, we are represented by SVE. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the pharmaceutical companies in, in, in Greece are members of SVE. And SVE is a member of FPA, which is my association. Uh-huh. So I, I, in short, I represent all the research-based pharmaceutical companies operating in Europe. Okay, that's important what you said, research-based yes. pharmaceuticals. Yes. What's the number? How many... W- well, to- in well, total we have 2,000 members, but that, that's a little bit of double counting. So a company like Pfizer or Roche, they mm-hmm. have affiliates in every country. So if mm-hmm. you add them all up, I have 2,000 members. But I think I represent 99% of all the companies doing research in the biopharmaceutical sector. I'm curious, what does that mean in comparison with the states? How? Well, you did mention Pfizer, which also is there, but... Clearly, European pharmaceuticals, what is our power compared to that of the states? Or is it just global, all the same pharmaceuticals all over the place? You're absolutely right. You know, when I joined this industry more than 25 years ago, we used to talk about an Italian industry, a Mm -hmm. Greek industry, a Swedish industry. I'm from Sweden, by the way. Mm -hmm. And an American industry and a Japanese industry. Today, it's a global industry. So even if a company is only working in, let's say, California or Boston or Stockholm or Athens, no one would develop a new medicine with the eye to only have it for one country. That would be impossible because mm-hmm. it's so complicated and expensive. So everyone wants to develop medicines for the world. But even if you lo- so, if you're local, you aim to sell off or make, as the venture capitalists say, an exit. You would sell your asset, as they call it, you know, to someone else. So it's really a global industry and. You know, this is what Europe has to figure out, which is, you know, the first part of your question. How are we going to be competitive in exactly. the world? Mm-hmm. And this is about, you know, being at the front, you know, on edge, which is why I'm here at this meeting, mm-hmm. because it's going to be very much about data and understanding disease and moving with that. Um, we'll, we'll go to that. But in order to get the picture, because I, I, sometimes I have difficulties understanding the pharma section. Does the conversation include China, Latin America? Um, you talk about globalization, but we used to always think that meant Europe and the States. Does China fit into that? Is it the same? Or is it American companies trying to get into China? Please explain that. No, you're absolutely right. It's interesting. You can just go back 10 years and the whole discussion, particularly in Brussels, mm-hmm. about competitiveness was about Europe versus the US. Exactly. And that's so outdated already. Mm-hmm. Because it's not really someone versus the other. And if there is any versus, it's actually US and Europe versus others. Yep. Because, you know, 90% of the pharmaceutical industry, including biotech, is actually coming from this transatlantic region. Okay. Uh, We see increasingly, though, investments in places like Singapore and and China and so on. Um, So I think we see... We see Latin America, we see Africa, we see big parts of Asia as big markets. Mm-hmm. Whereas where the innovation is going to happen mm-hmm. is certainly the US. Okay. And interestingly being concentrated around you know, Boston, San Francisco, 
in Europe, we also see the emergence of some hubs. And then let's see what's going to happen in China. Singapore has a lot of, sorry, Shanghai has a lot of inward investment, but we'll see how productive they're going to be in the long run. But does it have a, a bigger pharmaceutical industry? And the same goes for India also. I, I, I've heard they, they swallow pills like candy. And this is a big numbers to be serious. Do you um, consider them, I think they're a huge market, but are we just trying to sell or do we have to compete with them when it comes to innovation and drug development? Not when it comes to India. Because mm-hmm. India is very big in the off-patent segment, as we call it, so generics. So when patents have expired, when my companies have recouped their investments, mm-hmm. yes. and we have sort of a, well, we have a monopoly, actually, mm-hmm. for 12 to 15 years. And after that, you know, it, drugs should be very cheap. Yep. And then India is dominating. India and China are dominating. So we don't see much of innovation in India. And there are reasons for that, which we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, China is much more clever about stimulating their own industry. There's a lot of innovation going on in China. It's going to be interesting to see. There are those of my colleagues that predict that 10 years from now, several of the top 20 companies will be Chinese. Mm-hmm. I think I agree. I've seen a lot of things and uh, we did a few interviews with China Health Alliance mm-hmm. and there I met the Minister of Health, mm-hmm. which was a, a lady. Um, it's interesting and the the culture is different and they also have different problems aging is also important for them so um, there's a lot of prospect there but let's get back to Europe now how much is the crisis affecting the pharmaceutical innovation the drug development is it affecting or is it just something the Americans don't really care just go on and they'll sort of help the Europeans I try to understand that well I acknowledge, I mean, in Greece now, there's still, you know, you're feeling the pain of, of the financial crisis. And, and it's the same when I go to uh, Portugal. It's the same when I go to uh, some Eastern European countries. You know, I mean, you're not through this uh, pain take yet. Time. Okay, yes. it'll take time. My industry has, has uh, also contributed. We've suffered as well. Mm-hmm. But as one of my CEOs said, we have to take some pain in this crisis, but it has to be in the right place. Mm-hmm. And what did he mean? What he meant with that is that, and if I'm a bit technical, it meant that you know we should not make so much money on off-patent medicines, and we should make money on new innova- innovative medicines. Mm-hmm. And then once the patents expired, prices should fall. Mm-hmm. And in fact, most European countries have directed their savings exactly into that segment where we should feel some pain. Uh-huh. So we have contributed, if you wish, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And we have contributed in the right space. So now, largely speaking, I think we are coming out of this crisis. Uh, we have new, now new challenges. So behind us, last five years, we had to find savings. And now the new challenges will be how we're going to deal with an aging population, mm-hmm. which is much more educated, demanding. Okay? We're going to live longer. We're going to live longer with disease. Yes. We will survive cancer and we have to live with this. You know, we got, and this calls for new solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of these solutions are circling around, you know, better use of data, you know, paying for outcomes, as we call it, paying for results. Uh, and my industry is really engaged in country after country mm-hmm. uh, in finding you know, new models for sustainable use of medicines. So are they willing to invest in um, 
sort of very con- in third age, because up to now a lot of times we hear that there's not enough being done for aging people, and sometimes I think the fact that we're aging so quickly it's 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 good because you will get attention from the medical sector finally, which is something that I'm not there yet, but I'm. I'm actually worried you know, about a future and uh, it should be comfortable because we live a lot of years. Yes, yes we do. We do. We live, uh, we live uh, a lot longer now than we did only 10, 20 years ago. Or the life expectancy is much, much longer. Um, I think we are in a, in a stage now where health systems and actually the pharmaceutical industry is a part of that mm-hmm. because yes, of we provide you know, medicines. Uh, the health system has to prove to ministries of finance and others that actually we are very rational in the way we spend money today. And I, you know, wherever I go, I meet these ministers of finance that say, I'm not going to put any more money into healthcare because I think it's a lot of waste. Which I think is actually not true because this, in this crisis, we had to do a lot of painful things like closing hospitals and you know, cutting down on certain services. But we have to, all of us, we have to sort of qualify ourselves for potentially increasing healthcare spend. I know this is not very popular to say that we have to spend more on healthcare, but, you know, as I'm getting older as well, I certainly want to be looked after. Mm-hmm. And it may be that, you know, a big part of our tax money should be spent on healthcare. But it, of course, it has to be rational. Mm-hmm. When it comes to ministers and politicians, I think it's the problem is the excess or the bad management that they have to cut out. I don't think it's the same kind of healthcare you're talking about. Um, I think when they want to cut out, it's the problems, you know, the malignoma that they have to get rid of. So you had a speech today here about data. And when they, uh, they told me, I got to ask you about data, I said, which data and which data is he interested in? Our data? So please tell me, which data? No, so the, the, two, the two reasons why we are interested in data, one is that we still don't really understand disease. We have, when you go, I'm a pharmacist, so I went to pharmacy school, but, and, and also when you go to medical school, you are taught that there's a certain disease classification. There's something called Parkinson, there's mm-hmm. something called you know, depression, and so on. But now the scientists are saying that classification is no longer valid. Yes, the signs and symptoms, as we say it, you know, mm-hmm. are the same. But mm-hmm. the reasons why you have it is not the same. True. So we, we we're starting to learn, we're just now starting to learn that these diseases are caused by different causes. And to unlock this knowledge, we need data from patients. So we have this theoretical genomic, as we call it, information. As you know, the United States yes, yes. invested a lot in NIH on the Human Genome Project. But, you know, you can't make any sense of all these mappings unless you can link the, the laboratory data with real clinical information from patients. So my sci- the scientists in my companies, they say that they need to get hold of what we call population data. They want health records from millions of people to just figure out what's going on, you know. So that's one reason. The other reason, it's a completely different reason, but it ties back to something we talked about earlier about efficiency of health systems, is that we've come to realize that why should governments uh, or insurance companies pay for tablets and, and ampules? Maybe they should pay for results. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. and this is this is very very important, you know. So I have now chief executives from my companies that admit this that we need a new business model. You know, we need to be paid for what we call outcomes, results, mm-hmm. and that for that we need data. Uh, so I think I think actually Greece has a huge potential here to be a forerunner in in this because you have very recent uh, investments in e-health mm-hmm. as is being witnessed in this meeting here. Mm-hmm. And actually Greece could leapfrog countries like Sweden, my home country, mm-hmm. which is stuck in, you know, IT systems that are 30 years old and, you know, northern Stockholm doesn't talk to southern Stockholm and so on. It's a big conversation, obviously, interoperability and all those standards yes, and yes, all yes. the things that are mentioned. Um, one of the first thoughts that comes into my mind is that we don't really have a, um, a privacy issue in Europe so much as in America, because when you're here in the States and you're talking pharmaceuticals, talking about data, the first thing you think about is insurances, insurance companies are going to learn about you. We are talking about anonymous data, so I want to right. clear that. Obviously, right. you yes. are talking about yes. anonymous, Absolutely. and this is really important to learn from. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You do. I do believe. I wanted to ask you. This is a little bit. I do believe we don't have enough data scientists, and I consider that well, a great that opportunity Europe. in Europe for young people to study that because actually you need them. More absolutely, right? you're absolutely right. This is this is this is the headache we have is big data analytics okay so yes. it's, it's very it's very funny actually that one of my colleagues at the european commission uh, who was doing a bit of investigation into this big data it's a too big a word you know because it's it, yeah it's it's too fancy but but nevertheless you know and and my colleague went down to cern which is this physics research center in geneva to just understand you know what is Europe's capabilities to work with big health, big data in healthcare, and the feedback was, don't worry about the IT stuff, mm-hmm. servers, you know, transmitting data. We have that in Europe, but we don't have the data scientists, you know, the algorithms as they call it, you know. Exactly. And this is where you know you go to Boston. I was in Boston in June together with the European Research Commissioner, and you see how they are planning, you know, MIT, Harvard Medical School. They encourage students to go back and forth. You know, they mix biology, medicine, data science. We don't have that. Yes. But no, you know, you're absolutely right. And I think this is this is this is crucial for Europe. So back to your question about competitiveness. The competitiveness is going to be. It's not going to be about chemistry. I studied chemistry as a Mm -hmm. pharmacist, so. I'm a bit outmoded now, but it's going to be about data. It's going to be about data analytics, you know. Mm-hmm. And those environments in the world that have access to population data and the brains. Yep, I agree. They will make it. I totally agree. And sometimes we always say we need a lot of coders and developers. That's true. We do mm-hmm. need them. But considering the data that is going to be produced from IOT and all the things going around us, yeah. we, I honestly, I would put data analytics from primary school. <laughs> okay, he rose his hands, he agrees. No, no, but you know, it was funny, <laughs> funny, by the way, I have three young daughters at home and I saw this, I saw this uh, article recently about there was a co- I live in Belgium, so there was this course in, um, in uh, data analytics for, you know, eight-year-olds. Well, 
it should be. Yeah, no, no. Unfortunately, it was only in, in the Dutch language, which they don't speak well enough. You know, oh. it was not in English or Swedish, so we can't. We, they couldn't. They can't take it. But I'm absolutely with you. This is, this is the future. You know, this is. Well, we should become advocates for that. Yes. I think we should yes. all become advocates. And maybe since you do speak with ministers, you should tell them that's where they should. Um, well, I will meet your uh, new health minister Andreas tomorrow morning. So uh, please do you know, tell I will, him. I will raise yes. this if he's interested. I think in general, all Southern Europe, and considering mm. the different cultures we have, the different languages, that could actually that multicultural thing could actually prove to be really helpful in data analytics. We don't think like the same as in, under speaking English language. We do so many things in different ways, yeah. and I think that's our advantage, right? Yeah, and that's what that's what the, the, the neurologists say that if you if you're raised in a multilingual environment, yes, your brains are better wired. Okay, isn't that funny? So before. We finish. I want one question. You know all the controversy that was created in the states, where this gentleman bought uh, oh. a, a drug <laughs> and he overpriced yeah, it. Yeah. I don't. I don't like his fate now. But what's your opinion about that? I think. Yeah. Well, sorry, I do. It's I just do. Sort of I, gossip, but I, I do really like their know. fate <laughs> because they've been punished by the markets. I agree too, but it and happens all the time. Yeah. Well, the thing is that in in Europe we have price controls on medicines, which uh, I, I shouldn't like, but. Uh, Suddenly, I do. Okay. <laughs> uh, in the United States, uh, most uh, pharmaceutical companies have uh, they have um, uh, been responsible. Okay, so they've had this freedom to change prices, increase prices, but they haven't, big time. So then, some people come along and they, uh, you know, purposely buy companies or raid companies. They buy companies. They close down all the research. And increase the prices just to maximize profits. Okay, and of course that causes a public out, you know, outrage. We all get painted with the same brush. Mm -hmm. True. But these guys have been punished. I mean, the company Valiant, which had this as a business one. model. This was just no. one case. Well, no, we have we have a few, several, but their their share prices have plummeted. Valiant is down two thirds in market capitalization. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so, but it's a bit sad. The damage is already done. Yes. The damage yeah. on the industry is already done. It's, it's the pharmaceuticals always turning out to be the big, big bad wolf. Yes, but, but, it, but also it's big corporations. This is the, the, the I, problem. I also read, I had read a few, sorry, I promised it would be my last question, but I just wanted your feedback on this. I did read about a year ago that to get FDA approval, there's mm -hmm. a, a big line, a big queue waiting to get FDA approval. So there was a golden ticket. Yes. For companies, and which was actually, um, I want you to explain that. And is it good? I really like the thought because it all went to innovation for smaller yes, yes, companies. Yes, yes, no, no, it's really. It's Can really, you please explain? No, that? no, it's really, it's really. Uh, is that does that happen in Europe? No, it doesn't because Europe decision making in Europe is more complicated. So to get the medicine approved in in the US, you go to the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, and it takes either six or twelve months. Mm -hmm. In Europe, because we have 28 member states, plus Norway and Iceland, so it's 30 people, 30 representatives in a committee that have to agree. So it takes time. It's a democracy. You have to listen to everyone. So we really don't have two speeds. Okay, <laughs> so it takes it takes about a year. But in the United States, you have this priority review, they call it, and you get that either because you qualify because of the science, or you have gotten a voucher. Okay, which is what the you're referring ticket. to, the yes. golden ticket, okay? Mm -hmm. And the Americans have been very clever here. So they've said, okay, so anyone who develops a medicine against a neglected tropical disease, 
let's, such as malaria, mm-hmm. or you have a medicine against a rare cancer, or a cancer in children. Mm-hmm. I think those are the three examples. So if you develop one of those medicines, you will get a golden ticket that you can sell it to someone else. So a big pharma company, so my members, can buy a golden ticket from a small little company that did something good. Mm-hmm. And the value of these vouchers or these golden tickets is just amazing. It's like $300 million now. Someone bought this golden ticket for $300 million. And it's a fantastic boost for innovation. I think it's amazing. I think it's great. And I love the idea. Now, in Europe, because we only have one speed of approvals, (laughs) it won't work. Yeah. Uh, but something like that would be very nice. But incentivizing it, that way, this, yeah, is, this, this is, is huge. This is what governments have to do. You know, you recognize that the private sector is much more innovative, but you have to nudge them. You have to regulate them and nudge them, stimulate them to do the right thing. Yeah. So get this balance right between government control and private sector entrepreneurship. This is, this is, this is, that, that's why I love my job, because I'm right in the middle of this. Do you think Europeans are learning from the Americans? Because I was in Portugal right now, it was like, what? it's like seeing them across us. Do you believe they're um, learning? We're picking up any good clues? I think so. I, okay. think, I, think, we, I think we learn. I think, I think in particular, you know, what, where, where we're now learning is how you set up these innovation systems. You know, everybody wants to go to Boston or Cambridge to be more specific, which is the part of Boston, and see how, how do they do it? How do they, get, how do they get the innovation going? And, and people are trying to replicate that. It's fascinating what's going on now in the UK, actually, in the so-called golden mm. triangle, you know, Cambridge, yeah. Oxford, London. They, I mean, they will keep their brands, I'm sure, but it's really one ecosystem. So we lo- we're learning from the United States, and okay. we have some advantages in Europe. I'll leave that there. They're nudging me because you have to go in. I get that. So thank you for being with us. It thank was you. It was one a of my best interviews, I'll no, be honest. It was honest. a pleasure. Thank Good you. Question. Thank you. This was Vicky from Tech Talk Central, and I interviewed Richard Breckstrom, Director General from the European Federation of Pharmaceutical Industries and Associations. And goodbye. Bye bye. Thank you. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.